listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Hello, everyone. Uh, hello, everybody who are here on site. Can you just give yourselves a hand for braving it here in Festival Mall? And for those of you who are joining us online, thank you so much for joining us in our worship service. My name is Pastor Ariel. I'm one of the pastors of this uh, congregation in Victoria Labang. And welcome. It's a, it's a good Sunday morning. How many of you are glad that you're here? Everybody feel safe? Yes, I'm trying to uh, just... Savor this moment because uh, once again, we're able to see uh, people here face-to-face. And for those of you who are joining us at home, you are safe there at home. And don't worry, we're safe here as well. We're practicing social distancing. And those who are fully vaccinated are joining us here today. Um, recently, we just finished, I think, uh, the filing of the candidacy, not we, but you know, the, the candidates were running for office. And uh, I think it's, uh, we feel it already, the election fever, right? Uh, even if it's not yet officially the campaign period, we can actually see a lot of uh, candidates just going for it. And um, just want to remind everybody, let's just continue to pray as a church, we're salt and light, and we're here to pray for a peaceful election uh, next year, May 2022. Uh, let's not uh, be divided by the different candidates and preferences that we have, okay? Don't try to unfriend your friend because he's voting another candidate. But, you know, let's continue to just stand and believe God for God's purpose for this nation. Amen? All right. And so um, we're starting a brand new series today. We just finished our mission series, and uh, we are uh, now going back to the book of Isaiah uh, entitled Nearness. This is actually looking at—we're now looking at the second part of Isaiah, and what an interesting— a new study as we go forward in the book of Isaiah. Um, you know, when, when we normally have rains, and it's a, still the rainy season, I think, uh, one of the practices that we have is, at least for our family, uh, when I was growing up, we would normally have, like in the cool, rainy weather, we would prepare aroscaldo. How many of you do that? Aroscaldo, sopas. How many of you remember the Royco chicken noodle soup? You don't, okay, because you're still young, right? For those of you who are a bit older, you probably are familiar with that. Maybe sinigang, nilaga for lunch and dinner. Uh, you know, I, the reason why I'm sharing this is because, you know, these are like comfort food. This is an intentional tradition that we have started. And I'm pretty sure that many of us are probably doing this. We call them comfort food. Can you just type it on the chat box, comfort food? How many of you are looking at comfort food right now? How many of you need comfort food? We are looking normally for comfort food in times of like uh, gloomy days because uh, we, we want to be able to at least overcome the dark mood. Rainstorms or clouds normally tend to cast a gloominess over us or sometimes we just want to have comfort food when we feel down and sad. And, you know, comfort food is not really new uh, to us. In fact, there's actually a store, I think somewhere in Molito, that's actually... Uh, you know, called that comfort or real food or something like that. And they tend to have like a nostalgic factor or sentimental value to us. And, uh, you know, and the reason, the thing about comfort food though is they're like high caloric foods. Do you, do you know that? Normally you tend to go for the high calorie food, the carbs. Uh, lots of carbs, easy prep. According to a study in the New York uh, uh, University, a health department chairperson, Leslie Wren, is said about comfort foods that comfort foods that only taste good they actually lessen the impact of stress 
hormones. How many of you feel stressed from time to time? And how many of you, would be honest, you're a stress eater? Can you please raise your hand? You're a stress eater. When you feel stressed, you tend to eat. Anyone here? Anyone of you at home? When you feel stressed, you tend to eat. Or are you those people who when you're stressed, you forget to eat? I don't. Trust me, I don't forget to eat, okay? So eating sweet or starchy food help our bodies, like, make serotonin, makes us feel calmer. It decreases the stress hormone called cortisol. And a number of studies show that a people uh, normally feeling depressed or anxious, normally when they consume carbohydrate-rich food, they feel comforted. So for me, remember this, carbs equals comfort. Wink, wink. Okay, not really, okay? Uh, be careful with too much carbs. Okay, yesterday, my girls were craving for, like, uh, milk tea. And so they asked, Dad, can we order milk tea? And we'd like to use, uh, like, Gcash. And so they ordered via delivery. And I said, okay, go ahead and order and include me in your order as well. So I, I was able to have uh, some comfort drink yesterday. You know, when I was uh, younger, I, I remember when... I was like, when, when I was sick, I'm not really sure for those of you who are a little bit older. Uh, when I was sick, when I was younger, my mom would normally, you know, when I have cough and colds, would normally put Vicks Vaporub. Do you remember that? You know, my mom would actually put Vicks Vaporub on my chest. And so when she puts the Vicks Vaporub on my chest, there's a bit of a warm, comfort feeling there. And once you inhale... I feel comforted. You know, you can put Vicks on your chest. You can put Vicks on your upper lip. Don't ever put Vicks on your eyes, okay? I mean, it will actually burn, okay? And so, uh, so we're going to be talking about comfort today. And um, that's the reason why I'm camping on this particular word. How many of you need comfort? You know, the Bible promises, you know, God comforts those who are afflicted. And sometimes, yeah, also afflicts the comforted, okay? But anyway, talking about how many of you are familiar with good news and bad news? Good news and bad news, you know, sometimes we actually are asked by our friends, okay? I have good news and bad news. Which do you want to hear first? Normally, I would actually go for the bad news first before the good news because I would always want to hear the good news last. You know, it's kind of like red light or green light. No, that's different, okay? Okay, so, so when we hear... A bad news. We normally would love to hear and welcome a good or a better news. Like, for example, if the doctor says they're sick, how many of you know that's bad news? But if you find out that there's a cure to your sickness, how many of you know that is good news? That you're not to remain in your sickness, but because there's a cure or a medicine for that, that's good news. Or what if you receive a news from your boss? And your boss comes into your office and tells you that he's letting you go. How many of you know that's bad news? However, what if you, after one week, receives an offer from another company that is a promotion and gives you a higher pay? How many of you know that is good news? You know, sometimes God closes one door and he opens another bigger door. You know, good news it normally is actually... Uh, a welcome thing after bad news. For example, you know, what if your boyfriend breaks up with you and then that's bad news, but then you find out that your boyfriend is really irresponsible and violent 
that's good news, okay, that you don't end up with that boyfriend. Anyway, so, you know, we're talking about this comfort word from the prophet Isaiah. And when you hear the word of comfort, especially in this time of pandemic, a difficult season wherein, you know, we face adversity. You know, in, in one of my preachings, I actually refer to this as an avalanche of grief. You know, how many of you have actually gone through so many goodbyes in the past weeks or months? You know, I've actually seen so many people just not getting sick of COVID, but actually bowing down and, you know, bowing out rather, and have actually succumbing to that disease. And so, uh, people losing jobs, people losing opportunities. And so there's so much grief or loss that we're facing right now. And I believe that when you talk about words of comfort, we need those words of comfort nowadays. Amen. And so if you're from home and you are here, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. And we will be reading from Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 8. I'd like to invite everybody to please stand up right now as we give reverence to the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning from verse 1 to verse 8. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. The rough place, places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Let's all read verse 7 to verse 8. The grass withers, the flowers fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads right now and pray. Heavenly Father, we welcome you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are a spirit who comforts us in our time of need. I pray, God, that you would lift up the spirit of your people even today, God. I pray that you would fill us with encouragement, strengthen us even as we go through these tough times, God. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would illuminate your word. As we look upon your word, may we find comfort and strength and encouragement to face a future, Lord God. It may seem uh, uncertain, but though we thank you that though the future may seem uncertain, God, we know who holds our future for us. And Father, I thank you that you will bless the preaching of your word. Open up our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may all be seated. All right, so we're looking at Isaiah chapter 40. And you know, when you talk about Isaiah 40, this now is the, like the second part of the book of Isaiah. 
You know, many theologians are saying that Isaiah is like a little Bible because we see 66 books in Isaiah. First part of Isaiah is 30, 39 chapters. And if you're familiar with your Bible, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. So what they're saying is like the first part of Isaiah is almost like a picture of the Old Testament. And the second part of Isaiah is 27 chapters with 27 books in the Old Testament, almost like a parallel uh, you know, uh, part of the Bible. And so it's almost like a mini Bible, if you may say that. And Isaiah chapter 40 is now a shift from the tone from the first part of the book. If you're familiar, we've gone through the book of Isaiah, the first part, you know, before all the breaks and missions. Uh, we're familiar that normally the prophet Isaiah was preaching about doom, gloom, judgment, destruction about the, you know, the coming of the Assyria, the, the Babylonian Empire in the nation of Israel. You know, the prophet Isaiah, actually, his ministry spans about four, uh, four kings. And, uh, you know, he served uh, with King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, an evil king, and also the last was Hezekiah. And if you're familiar with the book of Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah, book of Hezekiah, there's no book of Hezekiah. If you're familiar with the chapter wherein Hezekiah was described as the king, uh, the last king that he served, it's interesting that that's found in Isaiah chapter 39. That was like the bad news. And we see the shift of the tone of chapter 40. And we will appreciate more the good news of Isaiah 40 when we look at the bad news found in Isaiah 39. You know, Isaiah chapter 39 ends with some pretty brutal news that Judah will actually be carried as exile into Babylon. Now, when Isaiah was prophesying this to Hezekiah, the prophecy really was not for that particular time of Hezekiah. The prophecy was about to happen about 100 years from Hezekiah's time. And so Hezekiah's statement was baffling to me because what he said was, ah, okay, when he was hearing about the impending judgment and doom and gloom. Okay, at least it won't happen in my lifetime. Can you imagine what kind of leader is that? That he was just concerned about his generation. He was not even concerned about the next generation, his children or his children's children, that it will finally happen there. And when Isaiah was prophesying this, he was referring to about a period of 100 years from that time. And the prophecy of Isaiah concluded in chapter 39 with such devastating words. We find this in verse 6. And he said, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. And what is, you know, uh, devastating for me is this Words, nothing shall be left, says the Lord. You know, everything will be carried away to Babylon. In fact, what he was saying is your sin has brought this disaster upon you. Your rebellion towards God has caused this devastation upon the nation of Israel. Your lack of faith has caused your ruin. Isaiah 39 ends with this depressing words. Nothing shall be left. Do you feel that today? As if something has been taken out from you? 
You know, it seems like this pandemic has taken so many things from us. Opportunities, freedom, time, you know. There's just so much fear and anxiety and worries for the future. Some have been taken away from us, you know, our loved ones, even our health, even our work, even opportunities. For those of you who are young and those of you who have missed proms or graduation, you know, Things have been taken from us. You feel like nothing is left. And maybe also, nothing seems right, left and right. Nothing is left. In this backdrop, the prophet spoke again. And this time, it may already be after the exile. You see, the chapter 39 and chapter 40 is actually not prophesied back to back. It's actually maybe like several decades after, during the exile or possibly after the exile. After many decades of being in captivity, God sent messengers or prophets in order to speak timeless truths in very challenging and difficult times. You know these words that we hear? Comfort, comfort. Everybody say comfort, comfort. For those of you who are watching, if you have the opportunity to type, just type there. Comfort, comfort. You know, these words are like water in the desert. It's like the first rays of sun after raining for maybe 40 days and 40 nights. You know, this is just so comforting. You know, the first taste of sopas after, you know, if you're in the, in, the, in, 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 a, in a gloomy day, you know, for me, that is comfort, comfort. And I believe that these words are still applicable and relevant, very timely for our situation today. Comfort, comfort. God would like to speak comfort in our situation today. Many people are in need of these words and this message nowadays. People are going through adversity. People are going through difficulty. Some are going through depression. Some are going through panic attacks. And just so many things that we have gone through are affecting our relationships, mental state, even our emotions. Comfort. Comfort is the general message of this chapter. You know, I believe that God is going to comfort us in this time of pandemic. How many of you need comfort right now? Please raise your hand. I believe all of us are in need of comfort. You know, God promised comfort to that people despite the disaster that they have brought upon themselves. First, we need to understand what the word comfort really means in the Bible. You know, I... I Understand that, you know, I, I kind of use metaphors or pictures earlier that when you talk about comfort, you know, it's kind of like this nice, uh, warm feeling or fuzziness. You know, in the contemporary English, it means to soothe or to ease our pain or to help us to feel better. I mean, that's what comfort means. But what the Bible really means here in the uh, Hebrew language, the Hebrew word for comfort is nakamu. Everyone say nakamu. That's the way you speak Hebrew with halak. Nachmu. Okay? Everybody say nachmu. Yan, ganda. And nachmu means to come forth. It's more than just to soothe or to, you know, it's more than just to, to ease your pain. It's to come forth. It's to encourage, to instill. Still, a, a sense of security. It's kind of like God wants to put a rod of steel in our back. I mean, that's what comfort means. 
Comfort means to strengthen more than just to soothe. And to soothe means, yeah, it's part of comforting. I believe that when God comforts us, He's wanting us not just to remain under our comforter the whole day and find comfort with our pillows, but what God wants us to do is he, he wants us to find comfort and He wants us to rise up and take hold of His promises. Amen. That's what the comfort means. When God says, comfort, comfort my people, what He's saying is, don't remain where you are. I'm coming to help you. I'm coming to save you. I'm coming to strengthen you. I'm here to, to encourage you. I'm here to lift you up. And that is what comfort means. Comfort, yes, it's part of that is, you know, God wants to cover us under the shadow of His wings. But He also wants us to rise up, to come forth. And He says He wants to gently to speak to us that He's wanting to deliver us. That is what comfort means. You know, the Jews were carried off in Babylon as exiles because of their rebellion and disobedience before the Lord. But God wants to give them strength to withstand and endure and expect His promises to be fulfilled. There are two declarations here that we've read earlier. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Two declarations. God says that He has a people, number one, and that He has not forsaken them. Comfort, comfort, my people. You know, how many of you parents sometimes when your children misbehave, you talk to the other spouse and say, you mga anak mo, maybe misbehave, you know. Your children or your child or your son, please take care of your son. You know, but God is not ashamed to call us His children or to call us His people. Comfort, comfort my people. God is willing to identify with them despite the fact that they have been unfaithful to God. And this is what you call a covenantal language. And we see this in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. I will be your God and you will be my people. Now, how many of you are children of God? Children of God because of your faith in Christ. We are people of God and God wants to identify with us because we are His. We are His church. And notice that he, he mentioned the word comfort twice. You know, every time you see in the Bible a word repeated like, verily, verily, I say to you, or, you know, uh, Martha, Martha, you know, it, it's an emphasis. You know, there's, you know, in the Hebrew language, there's no bold letter, there's no underline, there's no italics, there's no increase in font. And so, whenever God would speak to the people, He would normally say it twice to emphasize comfort, comfort. And this is basically the whole message of the entire chapter 40 of the book of Isaiah. Comfort. He wants to emphasize His love and compassion for His people. And if you are a disciple and a believer of Jesus, guess what? You are a child of God. And God wants to comfort you right now. He wants to make sure that you are okay. And He wants to deliver you. And He wants to make sure that you identify yourself with God. You're a child of God. Many of you need to be reassured, you know, uh, I think it was John Piper who said this, that God is the gospel, that somehow we need to be reminded every single day. We need to be reminded of 
the gospel, the good news of who God is in our lives, we need to preach that to ourselves. That God is good no matter what. Amen. And sometimes it's just so difficult to just go through life because, you know, we're just going, we're facing so much. All this situation, all this heaviness, and we feel the, 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 the weight and the burden. But God is good. God is good. First John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we has has not yet appeared. But we will know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. You know, as God's children, we may go through troubled times or troubles in life, but God is promising His comfort is going to be there. You know, when do we find comfort? I want to share three things or three thoughts from this verse. When do we find comfort from God? First, we find God's comfort in our sufferings. We find God's comfort in our suffering. We see that in verse 2, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that her warfare is ended. They've gone through wars. They've gone through exile. They've gone through, you know, a devastation. You know, for us, we are not even familiar with being exiled. You know, if you look at the news nowadays and you see the border of America, the southern border in Mexico, there are like thousands of migrants who are trying to get inside the United States. Some of them are coming from Haiti. Some of them are coming from Guatemala. Some of them are, uh, many of them are coming from the Southern American region because they have no place to go anymore and they want to go back there. But that's actually a voluntary exile or a voluntary migration. Back in the day, during the time of the Hebrew people, they were the people of God. And a foreign invader took them out of their place and when someone does that to you, their plan is to destroy your cultural identity. They tend to take over everything you have. You lose everything. But yet God is saying, I want to speak tenderly to Jerusalem. You know, this pandemic has brought a lot of downturns in our lives. And I was talking about that earlier. Loss of freedom, loss of jobs, loss of opportunity, loss of health, loss of life. You know, when you lose, for example, you know, my, my good friend, Pastor Gilbert, his favorite team in the NBA is the Lakers. Okay, ever since, Warriors never changed teams. When your favorite NBA team loses a game, how many of you know that you need comfort for that, right? Or when you experience a financial loss because of a wrong investment, you lost your income or, you know, you need comfort there. When you lose a loved one because of a sickness, we need comfort. You know, recently we lost a colleague, um, a friend of ours, one of our pastors from Victory Katipun and Pastor Don Harder, uh, got sick of COVID. And uh, he was still preaching, I think, in August, but September he got sick, and he passed away just a few days after that. You know, it was tough. You know, Pastor Dan is actually a good friend. Um, earlier in his married life, his wife, Ikor, got sick of cancer, and he lost his wife to cancer. And they, has, they have one uh, child, Zoe. Pastor Dan eventually remarried, uh, and... Um, 
now he passed away. And so you can just imagine the pain that the family has gone through. And even for Zoe, and definitely they would need comfort during this time. And we were just honoring, uh, you know, Pastor Dan's legacy uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And we were celebrating his life because he is really a man of God. And sometimes you don't understand, Lord, why, why do good people succumb to these things? But yet the promise of God is this, and it's found in even the Beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, because they shall be comforted. You know, the only way that we can be comforted really is in times of mourning. And there are three key words in this passage. You know, blessed, you find that in the first part, the Beatitude means blessings. It also means spiritual joy or happiness, fulfillment. Despite what's happening in your circumstances, there's joy. That's the beatitude. And God, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are grieving, who are weeping, who are brokenhearted. And whole. those who are sad because they will be comforted. You know, comforted or comfort in this uh, particular passage in the Greek is parakaleo. It, it means to be called near. And I believe that when God is allowing us to mourn, God is also drawing us back to Him, to be called near Him. It's interesting that the whole series title is Nearness, and many times people are feeling so distant from God because of what's happening in our circumstances. But how many of you know that no matter what happens, God is always with us? He's Emmanuel. He's, there. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Amen. Come on now. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Can we just thank the Lord for His faithfulness to us? He's always going to be here. He's going to encourage us. He comforts those who are suffering. Happy are those who are sad. You know, may we find joy and blessing in the midst of our suffering. And I believe that there's just so much grace right now. In the middle of our painful and difficult situation, we will find comfort from God. Amen. You know, God allows sometimes suffering to happen, but He also provides comfort, even in the midst of our pain and sufferings and sorrow. He will give us the strength, comfort. Nakamu. He'll give us the strength, the courage, the endurance, to withstand adversities and suffering. Secondly, we find comfort in our sins. Really? You know, God comforts us even in the middle of our sins. He's not encouraging us to sin, but He finds, He gives us a way out of our sins. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 to 4 says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley, everybody say every valley. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven, the uneven ground shall be, become level and the rough places a plain. These words prepare the way of the Lord. These are familiar phrases, right? Because this is quoted by John the Baptist. Isaiah here is prophesying the ministry of John the Baptist 
who would be the way preparer for the Lord. He was the forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine this. When Isaiah was prophesying this, it was 700 years before even the birth of Jesus. What a mighty prophet. He was actually declaring that, you know, a plan of forgiveness. He's making the way for the Savior to come. And he was proclaiming baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That this is good news for us. Amen. You know, and many people came to, uh, to John the Baptist. They, were, they came uh, being baptized in the River Jordan. They came confessing their sins. And they were turning away. And they started following the Lord Jesus. They acknowledged that they deserved to be punished. But yet God made a way for the people to come back to Him and turn away from their sins. Amen. How many of you know that God's grace is with us? That we found salvation in Christ alone. And God was not waiting for His people to come to Him and He was actually, you know, uh, bearing a whip in His hands to punish us. No, He was actually just waiting for us to come to Him, to turn away from our sins so that He can actually forgive and restore. He might comfort those who are broken because of our iniquities and those who are designed to come back in fellowship with God. You know, if we have mountains of pride, God's going to squash it low. If we feel so low because of our self-esteem, God's going to lift us up because that's the way God is. We will actually be able to find God in our brokenness. Psalm 51 says, A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. You know, in the midst of our sin, when we're broken before the Lord, guess what? Comfort comes to us. Reminds me of a story of a prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 when this, we're familiar with the prodigal son. This younger son asked for his inheritance early from his father. His father gave it to him and the son went away in a faraway land. He squandered everything. That's why he was called the prodigal son. He was wasteful with his resources. He spent everything until he had none came to his senses, went to, you know, almost like had a very miserable life eating with pigs. And then he realized, I want to go back to my father and I'd ask him if he can hire me as his servants, one of his servants. But while he was still far off, his father saw him. And his father was not waiting with a whip or with punishment, but he was looking forward for that day that that, that younger son would come back to him for his return. And what the father did was amazing. He gave him a ring, a robe, sandals on his feet. Because normally, servants don't have sandals. Only the sons have sandals. And he said, you're my son. Have a sandal. Here's my ring. Here's my robe. And kill the fattened calf. Order ties and dogs. lechombaka. And let's celebrate. Let's have a party. Because my son who was dead is now back. And he's alive. God gives us comfort. When we turn back from our sins, when we come back to our senses, and when we repent, when we realize our need of God, guess what? God's not here to punish us. When we come and humble ourselves, He's going to come and draw near to us. In, uh, in, in verse 4 of uh, Isaiah chapter 40, it says that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, our sins have been pardoned already. We've been forgiven. For those of us who put our trust in the complete work of Christ on the cross, 
someone paid the price, which is more than enough to satisfy and fulfill the punishment that you and I deserve. Someone went to the cross, paid the price, received all the curse, received all the punishment, received the wrath of God on our behalf. More than double that we deserve. It has been paid. The debt has been canceled. How many of you know that is good news? And God wants to comfort us with that word. To know that we will no longer receive any more punishment for the sins that we have committed. It's impossible to pay that with our human effort. No one can pay that sin. It's so huge that someone has to pay on our behalf. No less than the Son of God Himself. Someone greater paid that sin and took the penalty the Bible says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Come on now. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? No more condemnation. Comfort us come if we put our trust in the Lord. Lastly, as I come to an end, we find God's comfort in our waiting. In our waiting. How many of you are waiting for something, the promise of God in your life? Verse 6, it says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauties like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the, 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 when the Lord's breath blows on it. Surely the people are like grass. What a comparison. You know, God has reminded the people in the day and also reminding us that our life here on earth is transitory. We're kind of like grass. I think several months ago, me and my wife uh, uh, drove to Tagaytay to buy some uh, plants, you know. Um, and my wife wanted to have like rubber plants. And so it, this, these were like small trees that will eventually grow big. And so we were excited because we said, okay, nice to have some rubber plants in our home. And so we bought three of those. So finally, when they were at home, uh, they said that, and we were warned, don't water them too much, but also don't water them too little. Just give them enough. So we said, how much is enough? You know, and so we were, uh, you know, we were discovering how to, how to take care of them. And so as the days go by, the, the leaves started to turn brown. And they fell one by one. And so uh, it was heartbreaking. We tried talking to the plants. We tried to comfort them. We tried speaking life to the plants. We tried to wipe the leaves. And so still they decided to wither and die. Now we have one left. And about half of the leaves are fallen. And so I'm just waiting for the time that I will actually do a funeral service for the final plant that we have. The grass withers. And God said that the people are like grass. You know, somehow we are here today, transitory, gone tomorrow. No matter what type of cream you put on your face, no matter how many nip and tuck and Botox you put in your body, how many of you know that you can never stop aging, gravity will find its way. You can probably slow it down, but the aging will not stop. It's a good reminder for us. People are like grass. We will all fade. 
But there is one thing that will remain. And Isaiah says this in verse 8. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stand forever. No matter how temporary life here on earth is. How many of you know there's one thing that is permanent and that is the word of God. The word of God has been around for thousands of years. In fact, it is truth. It is life-giving. It is like a sword. It changes us. It gives us strength. It gives us life. It transforms us. And if, even if sometimes the word of the Lord tarries, God is always going to be faithful with His word. Amen. You know, sometimes you claim for a promise. Hindi pa alam na the promise is actually for our children. Just like what happened to Hezekiah. When God declares, how many of you that it shall come to pass, it will prevail. It does not matter whether people believe it or not. The, the veracity, the potency of the Word of God is real. It is not affected by popular votes. You know, nowadays we see so many surveys of uh, 2022 elections. Candidates are being ranked by the people according to preferences and popularity. Not so with the Word of God. The Word of God does not need any cultural popularity votes. The Word of God will stand whether you believe it or not. Amen. It will be faithful and true to what God has sent it forth. When God declares that He is going to restore, it will come to pass. When God declares He's going to heal, guess what? He will heal. When God declares He will provide, it will come to pass. Amen. Because the Word of the Lord stands firm till the very end. Come on, I'll give you a little hand for that. The Word of the Lord stands firm forever. And we need the Spirit of God to enliven the Word in our lives. And it's not enough for us to just read this without the aid of the Holy Spirit. Many people have a lot of knowledge with the Word, but without the Holy Spirit, guess what? That Word will not take effect in our life. We need the Holy Spirit of God to breathe upon the Word as we engage it so that we will be transformed by it. Just like when the Spirit of God was hovering in the time of creation, I believe that God is doing a new creation in our life, in our spirit, in our relationships, in our world, as we believe in the Word of God. And I want to just read this final scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, one of the final scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another. Everybody say love one another. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. And it's talking about the Word of God through the living and abiding Word of God. And then Peter quotes Isaiah by saying, For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is good news that was, that was preached to us. Our earthly bodies will come to an end, but the word of the Lord will be here forever. Amen. And this is the imperishable seed that was deposited in our hearts in our spirit. It changes us 
Thomas Manton, an English Puritan minister, said this, One way to get comfort is to plead the promise of God in prayer. Show Him His handwriting. God is tender of His Word. God is so tender. When it comes to His Word, He'll make sure that He will fulfill His promise to His people. Amen. And how does God comfort His people? Three things. God's Word. We see that in Psalm 119. I meditate on your age-old laws. They comfort me. Through God's Spirit. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and also with God's people. How does comfort come? God's Word, God's Spirit, and through us, God's people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to end with this. Praise be to the God of Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Amen. Our good God is the source of all comfort. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.